You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins on 90.5 FM. On today's show, I go over the fall cleanup and discuss a complaint against Fort Collins Police Services for use of force. After that, we hear from Dr. Willie Underwood of the American Medical Association and Dr. Willie Lawrence from the American Heart Association about why monitoring blood pressure matters no matter your age. Coda tells us about the Navy's decision to name a new ship after a gay rights activist. Then we hear a sneak peek at the KCSU Music Podcast's most recent episode. After that, I give new information on COVID-19 statistics, and Carson Lane tells us about how women are dominating in sports. To conclude today's show, Coda explains some updates on technology, including how one Alaska village now has access to high-speed internet. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Ellie Shannon with your campus news for Tuesday. NASA has announced a $177 million Earth science mission led by Colorado State University. This mission will study the behavior of storms in the tropics with the goal of better representing these storms in weather and climate models, according to Ann Manning of Colorado State University's Source News. The mission will address why convective storms, heavy precipitation, and clouds occur exactly when and where they form, as well as focus on the vertical motion through storms. This will be supported by many NASA centers, and for more information, visit colostate.edu. On Saturday, CSU students participated in Fall Cleanup, a program that allows students to help elderly or physically limited Fort Collins residents with outdoor work. Fall Cleanup started in 2005 when there were only 50 volunteers, and in 2018 there were more than 2,000. For more information on fall cleanup, visit ocl.colostate.edu. CSU has gained its fourth number one score in seven years in the sustainability index ratings for doctoral institutions. This is the second year in a row CSU has been named number one, especially after curriculum and research scored 100% in the AASHE Sustainable Campus Index. CSU has also been working on its Climate Action Plan, which has been working towards 100% renewable electricity by 2030. For more information on the Sustainable Campus Index, visit aashe.org. And now, on to local news. A use-of-force incident was filed against Officer Jason Lang after a formal complaint was filed. Austria Khan of the Collegian reports that Fort Collins Police Service's ethics and policies were not upheld after a call was placed to a church the officer Lane responded to. Cynthia Wales had been in distress after taking drugs. When Officer Lane told her to sit down, she was uncooperative, resulting in Lane using a trained maneuver that brought Wales to the ground. The 911 call that was placed was also just released and can be found on the Coloradoan.com. Unfortunately, the woman died in an unrelated car crash last month, but family and friends are still seeking justice for her. According to Austriacon of the Collegian, last week, Fort Collins City Council meant to discuss the 2022 budget and utility rates, fees, and charges, as well as talk about the Fort Collins Police Services budget. After many concerns were voiced about Fort Collins Police Services experiencing issues such as racial profiling, the public is outraged that police funds are being allocated the way they are. According to the Fort Collins Equity Indicators, Significant racial disparities were found in 2019, 
With the criminal arrest and citation rate per 1,000 people, nearly four times higher for black individuals than the overall rate. Beginning on January 1, 2022, the amount to be appropriated for the 2022 fiscal year is over $702 million. For more info, visit collegian.com. The holiday lights made a return to Fort Collins on Friday. These are put up every year in a lighting ceremony, which also took place on Friday. Every year, the lights are lit the first week of November and turn on every night until Valentine's Day. 22 block faces have holiday lights, and visitors can drive by or walk downtown to see them. A mountain lion was spotted in Fort Collins on Monday near Matthew Street and Tulane Drive. Odea Elementary School is located very close to the spotting, and it is unknown if the mountain lion is still in the area, so residents should stay alert. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Make sure to always tune in at 4 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. This is Ellie Shannon for KCSU on 90.5 FM, and now for Sports with Eliza Droder. I can't deal listening to the same three songs anymore. Take out your phone and let me put you on to something different. Which is? KCSU. The student-run radio station at CSU makes it easy. They're on the TuneIn app, or you can stream them live on kcsufm.com and browse some of their articles or podcasts. What if my phone is from ninth grade? Can I still get TuneIn? You can find TuneIn on Google Play or the App Store. Put some variety on your playlist, only at KCSU. My name is Eliza Drotard. This is your RMR Sports Report. In CSU football, the team lost the border war to Wyoming, 17-31. Their next match is Saturday against Air Force at Canvas Stadium. In women's soccer, the team competed in the Mountain West Championship Tournament, with their first match being against Utah State. They unfortunately lost that game 0-1. This ends the fall women's soccer season. In women's basketball, the team won against their season starter, Chardon State, with a score of 34-78 to to begin their four-game homestand. McKenna Hoffenschild and Utope Asu led with 12 points each. McKenna Hoffenschild also led in rebounds. Their matches this week are against Colorado Christian and UNC. In men's basketball, the team started their season against Adams State and won 55-92 to to begin their four-game homestand. Isaiah Stevenson had 19 points, and David Roddy led with 15 rebounds and four blocks. Their next match is against Oral Roberts. In women's volleyball, the girls had back-to-back three-set sweeps against Nevada and San Jose State. 
In their game against San Jose State, Kennedy Stanford led with 16 kills and 32 total attacks. Sierra Pritchard led with 42 assists and 4 service aces. Sasha Colombo with 3 blocking assists. And Alexa Romeliotis with 13 digs. She earned her third Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week for this season. The team is leading the Mountain West and has now clinched a spot in the Mountain West Tournament. Their next matches are Tuesday night against Wyoming and Saturday against Fresno State at home. In cross country, the teams competed in the Mountain West Conference event. The women placed third and the men placed fourth. They qualified for the NCAA Mountain Regional with a chance to compete in the NCAA Championship in Florida. In women's swim and dive, the girls beat Idaho, University of Denver, U Mary, and Colorado School of Mines. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csuram.evenue.net to get tickets for volleyball, basketball, football, and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Willie Underwood from the American Medical Association and Dr. Willie Lawrence from the American Heart Association. And we're discussing how high blood pressure impacts minority communities and how self-monitoring is essential no matter what your age. So as a college station, a lot of our listeners are younger and therefore less worried about their health. Why is it important for younger people, especially from racial minority communities, to monitor their blood pressure and engage in healthier behaviors? Well, first of all, thank you very much for, for, for having us on. High blood pressure is a common problem. More than half of Americans have high blood pressure, and uh, and, and and less than 25% of those Americans have that high blood pressure uh, control. Uh, what we what we what we know now is that blood pressure begins to manifest itself more and more at earlier ages. So it's important that, that uh, as a as a college student that you that you get your blood pressure checked, that you that you know your blood pressure. Uh, hypertension has no symptoms typically. And the only way to know whether you have high blood pressure uh, is to check it. And that means beginning really at an early age and pretty, pretty much at about college age that, that, that it really begins to manifest itself. And just to add to that, you know, so someone has a stroke at 40, they probably start having blood pressure problems at 20, right? So, so it's not just what you, what's happening today is that you're trying to prevent all these sort of bad things from happening tomorrow like stroke, renal failure, heart disease, congestive heart failure, and a way to prevent those tomorrow is to take action today. All right, and then college students are relatively well known for having poor health behaviors. So for example, drinking too much caffeine and energy drinks and coffee, um, not exercising, um, eating poorly. So what are some behaviors that young people um, do or don't do that you think they could be changing so that they can improve their blood pressure? Well, one of the reasons that we've developed this, uh, this very, very important program between the Ad Council, the American Medical Association, uh, the American Heart Association is, is just get down with your blood pressure. You know, it's a it's a program that's encouraging people to be more active. We know that the one of the most important things that you can do to get blood pressure under control to prevent yourself from ever having blood pressure is it's to be active, and and that's the focus of this uh, of this lifestyle uh, campaign. Uh, dance is a way to bring people together, to bring joy into people's life, but it's also a way to, 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 to remind people that you need to be active in order to, to have a, an active lifestyle in order to, to prevent yourself from ever developing blood pressure and other diseases such as, uh, such as diabetes. 
And the main thing that you can do as well is get a home um, blood pressure monitoring kit and check your blood pressure on a routine basis. If you're 20, you may not have to do it every day if your blood pressure is, is fine, but checking it you know, daily or, or once a week and long to make sure that it's fine, it's just simple. And you could do it with dance. You can do it hanging out with your friends. That would be kind of cool to have a college just um, use this as an opportunity to bring people together and have some fun times. And basically it's fun, right? You click it, you slip it, you cuff it, you check it, right? And you can do that in a cool dance and even make a rap to that. And let's have some good times. But the key thing is to check the blood pressure and make sure that it's fine. And if it's not fine, to get the appropriate care and treatment needed. All right. And then speaking of this campaign, can you tell us a little bit about this campaign with the American Heart Association and the American Medical Association and how it's really making change when it comes to blood pressure in a variety of communities? Uh, sure. Well, what we, we, what we know about blood pressure, again, as we mentioned earlier, the only way to know that you have high blood pressure is to measure it and to measure it accurately. So th this, this campaign is a campaign to encourage people who actually have a diagnosis of hypertension to acquire a home automated blood pressure monitor so that they can measure their blood pressure at home. We think that's the most effective way to get this pandemic of hypertension under control to get a device that it's uh, validated that you learn how to to use it and we know that that the the, the best predictor of your blood pressure uh, complications is not the blood pressure you get in a doctor's office but the blood pressure you you measure at home using proper uh, proper techniques and, and we also know that that African Americans Hispanics uh, you know Native Americans, are at greater risk of having high blood pressure, greater risk of the complications of uncontrolled high blood pressure, including strokes, deaths, as we said, you know, and um, renal failure and heart disease. So that's extremely important as well that members of, of our communities that take, you know, get their blood pressure checked and monitored routinely. All right. And then how do you think that this campaign is really going to make a serious change in making sure that Americans take care of their blood pressure? Well, it's, it's one small, important step. You know, we, we, we're talking to college students today. Uh, one of the things that we dis discussed off air are, are things that happen in college, habits that develop in college that impact your blood pressure because 80% of your blood pressure is determined by these so-called social determinants of health. So if you're stressed at school because you're not getting work done and you start eating more, your, your blood pressure is liable to go up, you're not getting enough sleep, your blood pressure can go up, all of those things, all the stresses in life, uh, this, your blood pressure is just a barometer of those things. So it's, it's important that uh, at an early age, you begin to do the things that uh, will lead to uh, you never ever developing blood pressure. It's important that you that you you use the internet to access important information about blood pressure management. Uh, we have a website, manageyourbp.org, manageyourbloodpressure.org, manageyourbp.org. You can go there and get a lot of important information uh, that can really impact you at an early age because you never really want to get a diagnosis of blood pressure. So the time to act is when you're young, when you're in college. Yeah, habits, habits are, are you know, are, are, are everything. But not only that, though, you know, when I was in college, we had a thing called the college 50. 
And the cause 50 was that you gained 50 pounds when you went to college because you stopped doing all the activities and some of the things that you did in high school, you know, to remain in shape. And the sad thing about it, that that college 50 becomes the 40, 75 and the 50, 100. All right. And then a lot of people aren't really familiar with how blood pressure is a marker of overall health and well-being. So can you explain how having high blood pressure can really impact your overall health and why that matters? Well, when you go to get your blood pressure checked, you get a top number and a bottom number. The top number represents the pressure that develops in those arteries when your heart contracts. If that pressure is constantly high, you begin to see end organ damage throughout your body, whether it's brain, it can produce, which can lead to a stroke ultimately, whether it's putting pressure on your heart long-term, which can lead to a weakening of your heart, congestive heart failure, or whether it's your kidneys, where those pressures ultimately lead to scarring and to, and to, and to kidney disease. It can ultimately lead to dialysis. And that's why we see such high rates of end-stage kidney disease in African-American populations who have hypertension that's, uh, that's untreated over a long period of time, or that's not treated to goal. You know, if, and that's important too. You need to know your numbers so that when you go into your doctor's office, you know what your blood pressure should be and you can challenge your doctor if they're not acting uh, aggressively and bringing that blood pressure down. All right. And then on that topic of taking action on your own health, what are some ways that someone who has higher than average blood pressure can really take steps to lower their blood pressure in the case that maybe their doctor isn't being super supportive? So it's simple concepts. Number one, monitoring it, checking it, home monitoring device, following the four steps, click it, slip it, um, cuff it and check it increasing activities of exercise, um, having a better relationship with your provider, talking to them about it, creating a treatment plan. Um, nutrition or is extremely important as, as well. Um, these are the, the combination of things that improve your health and improve your longevity of life and improve your, your blood pressure. All right. And then a lot of people only know about their blood pressure based on their annual doctor's visit. So how does really self-monitoring empower people to get a more realistic answer about what their blood pressure is on a regular basis? I think it's important that people have their blood pressure checked all comers annually. But once you have a diagnosis of hypertension, it's important that you measure it more frequently because you need to know not just that you have hypertension, that it's that it's controlled. You know, there, you know, again, more than half of this country has hypertension and, and, and almost 85% of those people are on blood pressure medicines, but they're not treated to goal. And, and to take a medication and not be a goal is, is at, 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 in some ways as bad as not being treated at all. So it's, it's really the self-monitoring once you have the diagnosis is important because you need to know that your, your, your blood pressure is controlled. And we know from many studies that the most accurate blood pressures occur when they're checked at home using proper technique with a validated device. Uh, and it's important to get more information about this. It's important to, I mean, you guys are, young kids are internet savvy. So, so going to this, this, our website, manageyourbp.org, is a good place to start. Uh, so, it, again, it, you, it's, it's not enough to have a diagnosis. It's not enough 
to be on one medication. Most people require two, three medications in addition to all the lifestyle things to get that blood pressure control. So it's a holistic approach to, to the management of this uh, very, very important disease. All right. And then um, back onto the topic of how the African-American, Native American and Hispanic and Latino communities are impacted. What really causes some of these communities to be more at risk for high blood pressure to younger age? Well, you know, we can't totally be for certain, but we do know that it's not genetics, that it's the social determinants of health. And basically social determinants of health is how the world interacts with us and how we interact with, with the world. So our jobs, our, where we live, all these sort of things come together to, to contribute and to, to this problem, right? So, so some of those things were over time we can manage and fix, but it starts right now with the individual action and that action extending out to family action, to community actions, and then in actions across the country. And once we truly say that we cannot afford and we will no longer accept 121 million people having high blood pressure and less than half of them having it under control. You know, we're going to eliminate that and we're going to start with the young and moving out. That's why this is very important that we're having this conversation with college students because you're, you're who we are, right? You're the essence, the very essence of the future of this country. That's why it's extremely important that you take the lead on this and take a, a, a very valuable part in this and say that, you know, we will not let this go on into our generation and be a part of the 121 million people with high blood pressure. And most of all, if that is the case, we will be having it under control. All right. And then that's all the questions that I have prepared for today. Do you, either of you have anything else that you want to add about this campaign or about your individual associations? No, again, I, I, I'm really proud of the work of the Ad Council, the American Medical Association, the American Heart Association, and, and doing this. And we're trying to meet people where there are. We have some powerful uh, tools. Again, I direct you to manageyourbp.org for more information. Uh, you know, get moving, get active. Uh, you know, your life depends upon it. Your health depends upon it. So let's get down with our blood pressure. And again, let's, let's have fun doing it. I love the dance. And I know many of you guys do as well. So why not dance our way to health and get you and check your blood pressure? Thank you. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. All right. Again, that was Dr. Willie Underwood and Dr. Willie Lawrence from the American Medical Association and the American Heart Association. And we discussed their campaign to help lower blood pressure and encourage self-monitoring through dance. We'll be right back on the Rocky Mountain Review.
This is DJ Hurricane thanking you for listening to KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Kota Babcock, and this is National News for Tuesday. Monday, the U.S. removed pandemic travel restrictions from several countries, including Mexico, Canada, and most European nations. According to John Leicester and Travis Lawler at the Associated Press, this is the first time in nearly two years that some families and friends will be able to reunite. The new policy still requires proof of COVID-19 vaccination, along with a negative COVID-19 test in order to come into the U.S., with the exception of land borders in Canada and Mexico, which will only require vaccination records. The U.S. will also be accepting vaccines that haven't been approved in the U.S., such as the AstraZeneca vaccine, which was widely used in Canada. British Airways CEO Sean Doyle said of the new policy, quote, Together, even as competitors, we have fought for the safe return of transatlantic travel. And now we celebrate that achievement as a team, end quote. Airlines are expecting customers to start booking more international flights as the policy goes into effect as grandparents, parents, spouses, and children are now able to see each other for the first time in over a year and a half. The United States Navy launched a ship named after gay rights activist Harvey Milk, who was assassinated in 1978. According to Deepa Shivaram at National Public Radio, Milk served in the Korean War, but faced a dishonorable discharge after he was questioned about his sexuality. Milk served as a city supervisor in San Francisco and was the first openly gay elected official in the state of California. This ship was one of six of the Navy's fleet oiler program's new ships. Secretary of the Navy Carlos del Toro said, quote, Leaders like Harvey Milk taught us that diversity of backgrounds and experiences help contribute to the strength and resolve of our nation. There is no doubt that the future sailors aboard this ship will be inspired by Milk's life and legacy, end quote. Milk's nephew, Stuart Milk, spoke at the launch, discussing that his uncle was dishonorably discharged and that it was a great dream of Milk for service members to be out while serving in the military. While the Navy offered to reverse Milk's dishonorable discharge, the family chose not to accept this, as Milk's discharge shows how the truth of how LGBTQ plus people were treated throughout history and how not everyone was honored for who they are. The University of California Hastings College of the Law is working to change its name. According to Kanita Iyer at CNN, Saranus Hastings, the college's namesake, funded the removal of Native Americans from Yuki and Round Valley tribes. Forced removal of the tribes often led to mass killings in addition to cultural loss. While the college cannot change their name independently due to the name being written into state law, the board of directors for the University of California voted unanimously for the dean to begin working with the California legislator and the state's governor to introduce necessary legislation to make this change. The university believes this move is an example of restorative justice and follows the opening of an indigenous law center on campus, which the school's dean hopes will bring opportunity of education to the nearby Round Valley Reservation's residents. Dean David Fagman said of the university's actions to change the name, quote, The generational pain of the living descendants of the genocide funded by Saranus Hastings and supported by the state of California remains deep and ever-present, end quote. After eight died at a Houston music festival this weekend, investigators are looking into how crowd control may have exacerbated the issue. According to Juan A. Lozano and Jamie Stengel at the Associated Press, audience members from ages 14 to 17 died during rapper Travis Scott's performance at Astroworld Festival after the crowd lost control. Julio Patino, a parent of one of the victims, said, quote, These concerts should be controlled, Patino said. If they don't know how to do that, they should have canceled the concert right then, when they noticed there was an overcrowd, end quote. 
Authorities, including members of the Event Safety Alliance, are looking into what triggered the crowd and why security was unable to handle them. Stephen Adelman, the vice president of the Event Safety Alliance, said that understaffing may have played a role in how easily security was able to address and correct the crowd, as many industries, especially those with hourly wages, face a shortage of workers. One attendee, Isabella Ramirez, said of her experience, quote, Everyone was yelling for different things. They were either yelling for Travis or they were yelling for help, end quote. Experts who've studied previous crowd-related deaths have pointed to overcrowding of small venues as a common cause of crowd surge deaths. That's all for National News Highlights. I'm Koda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Remember, it is DJ-a-thon, so be sure to donate to fundraisers at KCSU by visiting kcsufm.com and navigating to the Donate tab. We'll be right back. I'm Lindsay, the music director here at KCSU, and today we're going to talk with Alex Creighton, Ransom Tyson, and Jack Terry of Coastless Creatives, a Denver-based live label providing opportunities for artists to support themselves, venues to sell out, and audiences to escape. Alex began the LLC his senior year at MSU because he saw a need for increased organization and camaraderie in the local art scene, and it has since taken off to the benefit of artists and community members alike. I hope you enjoy our conversation. So thank you so much for joining me today. Would you all be able to introduce yourselves and to tell me a little bit about how Coastless Creatives came about? I'm Alice Creighton. I'm the lead executive of Coastless Creatives. I handle all the booking and like communications with other businesses that we work with. My name is Ransom Tyson. I'm the lead administrator. Uh, I'm in charge of coordinating with bands. Uh. And then I'm Jack Terry. Uh, I run all of our creative stuff. So that's like poster design, outreach, um, just everything on the creative facing side. So I actually started this as like my senior project of my last project in school for MSU to get my bachelor's degree. It started as like a music collective that I formed with a bunch of friends from a school called Dime that closed down. And then eventually we just got more and more people. And then in May of 2021, we decided to become an LLC and then just sort of like start to book shows and then find opportunities for like artists that like I saw around Denver to like get paid doing the thing that I love doing. Our mission is to like create opportunities for like those people to find opportunities for like local artists to find opportunities for venues to like pack the house and like to find opportunities for like audiences to like go to really, really cool, like unique local shows and just sort of like add some organization to the music scene. That's very cool and sounds like it connects a lot of different things. Did you always know that you wanted to start a label of some sort or was it born out of need to fulfill the class assignment? I knew I wanted to start like some some sort of like collective with my friends like for a while. I just was always like putting it off. I was like, it's like, oh, I don't really want to do this. And I was I put it off for like a couple of years um, just to like I'm also a musician. So I wanted to just like make music. And then I started this and then I was like stopped kind of focusing on making music. And I was like, I'm just going to book people and just like promote everyone that I can and like throw as many shows as humanly possible without hopefully without jeopardizing my health. 
And you said that Coastless has been an outlet for frustration about the lack of camaraderie, discipline, and as you said, organization you see in Denver's artist community. So what are you doing differently and what do you provide specifically to that community? Really what it is 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 when we book artists on a show, we don't really just like book them and be like, all right, have fun, sell tickets. Like we make promotional content for all of them and then we like promote for them and then we sell our own tickets too and we just try as hard as we can whenever we book a show to be with the artists like every step of the way and like really make every show like as special as possible and like really add like we try to get content for all the shows that we can give it back to the artists and also use it for our own promotion we also do like visuals at all the shows and like bringing like visual artists to shows too to just kind of make it like a whole experience and it's like every step of the way we're like we're making sure people are promoting like we're in contact with the artists so like we're really just trying to be as organized as humanly possible so that like every time that we throw a show it's as effective as possible for like everybody to like have a turnout and like get people in front of them and like promote themselves definitely and for those visual art and promotional things do you go out into the community looking for different graphic designers or do you have a couple people on your team that generally do that i handle most of like our larger visual art stuff like all the posters and then i run all the live visuals and create most of that stuff myself we don't really have the facilities to like branch out yet and work with local designers but like eventually that is the plan we do have a small creative team but for the most part they're handling like uh, social media content creation and that kind of stuff but all of our design work and everything you see at the live shows is made in-house that's so cool and is that just from your own inspiration yeah i mean i i've like done enough art and enough like different avenues where I like, I can usually get enough inspiration for like the shows we do, but for, you know, most of our bigger shows, we do have meetings with the artists where they're like, we're like, you know, what kind of like color schemes do you want? Do you have any inspiration, that kind of thing. And then I take a lot of inspiration from like people that I know that do art. But for the most part, we try for our big shows where it's like very much per artist based. We do ask them what kind of stuff they want to see. And then I kind of spin that in my own way. Yeah. And are you all musicians? Technically, I mean, I, I used to make music and then I kind of transitioned to digital art. I, I've been working on my solo work for now, but yeah, we all come from a music background. And I think that's what makes our work more of a passion project and not just a business is that we, we understand kind of the, the need for some coordination in the music industry, especially local. Yeah, how does having a musical background help you shape your label in a way that suits musicians better, whereas if somebody didn't have that experience, they might be missing out? I think it helps that we ourselves, at, at least I, I know Alex and I, have had experience with looking into venues and trying to get our acts scheduled you know like we ourselves have had personal experience with trying to put on our personal shows and and that can often be kind of vulturous sometimes uh you know a lot of venues will want to keep putting themselves first and you know everyone's trying to make a buck but we, we want to make sure that, especially coming back from COVID, musicians are able to have a, a chance to get back out there and, and get the amount of revenue that they definitely deserve. 
Definitely. And coming into this place of being kind of post-COVID or somewhere in between, has that been helpful in increasing the demand for your service? I think it definitely has been. We we really started like heavily doing shows um, at this place called Stella's Coffee House on Pearl Street in Denver. Shout out to my man, Trey. I was like a barista there and I just like started the LLC and they were like, we want to do live music here. And I'm like, I'll do it. And I like made the LLC and then I like made them like sign a contract with me. It's like, I'm an official business now. And like, that's how we like pretty much became like a real operating like live music business. And when I was doing those shows, a lot of people came up to me. It's like, I'm so glad live music is back. This is awesome. And it's like the fact that like, it's something that was like returning that people missed, I think like really helped like with the turnout at Stella's because every week it was like really full and like people would just like kind of show up as like regulars just to like be there and like see music again i think absolutely like the resurgence of live events and like the vaccine um after COVID has like been like immensely beneficial to what we're doing definitely that sounds like such a big piece of the community aspect that you're trying to bring and providing those shows to people who haven't been out in a long time getting good feedback on the performances that have been put on by your llc that all sounds very hopeful yeah it's the music scene is it's comprised of it's not just the bands in the scene it's like the people who go and see the bands and it's like people like you like the interviewers who are like like journalists who are like spreading the word and like playing local music on the radio stations and like venue owners and everyone like every single like person is like a very important part of the music scene no matter which angle you're approaching it from so it's like being able to like really like try and like directly serve and directly like benefit like literally every single aspect of that focusing on the community in that way is like very very like helpful for like building a scene and that's really like i think i can speak for all of us it was like i think that's really what us and everyone that we work with like want to do is like really create like a solid music scene in denver that's like something like how austin has or something how like los angeles or like new york has where they like, they have like the world's most like pop and music scenes of all time and i like i'm under the personal belief from like everyone that i've met and all the musicians that i've worked with in the past couple of months that we absolutely have the talent it's just like the matter of like putting that talent in the most effective place and like promoting it and everybody working together to do that Absolutely. And I so see that potential for Denver too. That idea sounds so exciting. And I want to say thank you to Alex too, because you have also sent us a lot of local music. Um, being a radio station for, you know, a college community, that's such a big part of what we do. And so while these artists are, you know, getting their music heard, we're also serving the community in that way here. So we've already helped each other out. Thank you so much. Teamwork makes a dream work. Totally. Going off that a little bit, I wanted to ask if you had any tips for networking or getting your foot in the door when you're trying to navigate these music industry slash venue slash band relationships. Be aggressive. Be persistent. Don't be scared of no, because people will just tell you no most of the time have a good body of work take pride in your work and make sure it's up to a quality that you can live with just give like a professional foot forward you know with any any case that you have keep focusing on mutual respect between parties and uh 
as casual as, as some may be, uh, just keep trying to be as open and honest with them as possible. Yeah, I feel like everybody appreciates transparency for sure, and it helps everyone kind of get on the same page. You know I'm sorry every day for the way I did you wrong. No, it only hurt would come of it And I'm sorry every day For the way I let you on Thinking love was not impermanent We all got to do this really cool thing Where we like all play music And do really cool shows And all that is sick But if like you don't also like on the flip side of that, like 80% of the time, which is like kind of like the unsavory truth of like the music business is like 80% of the time. It's just like spreadsheets and emails and like, like an office job. But it's like that 20% of the time when it's like everyone's on stage and it all comes together is like, that's what makes it worth it. So it's extracting the meaning from that. And then like having that, like push you through all of the parts that like you don't like as much. And I'd say like, a lot of artists, musicians I work with, like, like want to make it their living and then simultaneously, like, don't like necessarily like know how to do that or don't necessarily know like how much that takes. So like, that's what I like always try and help like other artists with is like, Hey, to be able to sustain the good time for like a long time, we, we have to do things that aren't as, as fun, like contracts and spreadsheets. I was wondering if you had any stories of a time where things have gone totally wrong and what to do when that happens. So it was like, we used to do music for this coffee shop. And I say used to, because essentially what happened was like, we were like, we started out just doing these small coffee shop shows. They're like our prototype shows. It's like, when we were just getting started. We'd have like Ransom and like our homie Danny would be handing out like business cards and greeting people. We like put up like my mom's bed sheet, like... (laughs) like in this coffee shop and then like he put his visuals on it with his projector and then like i would book all the artists and then like run the sound like it was off, pretty scuffed off my laptop yeah it was <laughs> scuffed for sure it was like very very janky and Stella's like had us on contract like we got like we got paid and then like paid the artist for doing it and it was like a very like very very like mom and pop like running the company pretty much out of the back of my honda type of deal and we did these shows weekly starting july 3rd we went from July 3rd to September 11th and September 11th was our last show. And we ended up booking this like really big local artist called Richie Mitch and the coal miners. So we had the lead singer, Mitch cuts play and we were like, cool. So like we promoted it, he promoted it. And like, then we had another like really good artist named um, Ben Piazzo. I don't know if I'm saying his last name, right? I'm sorry, Ben, but of course, Akana, which is another great local band. So both of them were playing and it was like, we had this really tiny space and every week we were just going hard, promoting it like it was like a huge venue and this last show we booked popular artists and we did that in this tiny tiny room like i'm talking like it It was like 20 20 by 10 maybe maybe a little like 30 by 10 yeah i think like 30 it was like a big hallway yeah it was like a big hallway (laughs) we had like probably a space that could like legally fit like maybe like 10 or 20 people (laughs) if that and we packed it with like 60 people where it's the point where like you couldn't move and like People were like sitting on the floor and like squished up against the artist. And it was like super dangerous um, in a lot of ways. And, Sounds intimate. And, 
It was very, very intimate. We did that. Allegedly. Yeah. And and me being like crazy, like hyper person, just like super, super manically did that show. And I was like, that ruled. We rule. We go hard. I immediately went to the local bar and drank way too much. And then I came back. I came back to the coffee shop at like three in the morning, used the Wi-Fi. And then I wrote the owner of Stella's Coffee House like an email. And I was like, listen, this is how many people we got in your shop. Like you need to be paying us more because we're doing such a good job. And like, look at all, look at everything that we did. It's like, this is awesome. And then I was like, yeah, we're going to make more money now. And I got an email back the next day and he's like, so this is illegal because of a lot of reasons. I'm concerned about COVID. The building definitely can't handle this many people. Uh, you're shut down. It's cool working with like local artists. And then like even, I mean, geez, it's only been like six months. I feel like I've aged at least yeah. a decade. It's So like in that time, it's seeing the moves that some of our friends have made and like the people that we've met is crazy yeah. how like successful some of these people have become in such a short time. Thanks again for listening to the KCSU Music Podcast brought to you by KCSU FM. Once again, I'm Lindsay, the music director at KCSU, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alex, Ransom, and Jack of Coastless Creatives. Keep up with them on their website, coastlesscreatives.com, or their social medias under Coastless Creatives. Catch you next time. Support for KCSU comes from Nosh Noko, a locally owned food delivery service from local restaurants that want to provide food delivery to the Noko community. Learn more about the Noko Nosh app and how to order food at nokonosh.com. We're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. To make sure news content like this is funded through the years, be sure to donate by visiting kcsufm.com slash donate or calling us at 970-491-KCSU. About 90% of students and employees at Colorado State University received at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine. The university reports over 4,000 cumulative cases of COVID-19 since May 2020, with 16 new cases Monday. Larimer County reports over 42,000 cases of COVID-19 in the county, with over 330 deaths. The county reports a case rate of over 375 cases per 100,000 residents. 107 COVID-19 patients currently receive treatment in area hospitals, and intensive care units are full at over 104% utilization. Larimer County and the Centers for Disease Control report high levels of community transmission for COVID-19. Masks are required in all indoor public spaces in the county, regardless of vaccination status. Larimer County recommends that in high transmission risk periods, Larimer County recommends that in high transmission risk periods, residents take the following precautions. Get vaccinated as soon as possible if you are not already. Wear masks, including in private indoor spaces if members of another household are present. Be sure your mask has a snug fit and consider wearing a KN95 mask. 
postpone all gatherings if possible, and if the event must occur, consider requiring all attendees to be vaccinated or limiting the number of invited households. If the event is indoors, consider moving it outdoors. Monitor your health and get tested for COVID-19 if you have any concerns over exposure or symptoms. The state of Colorado reports nearly 770,000 cases of COVID-19, along with over 8,700 deaths. Over 8 million vaccines have been administered in the state, and over 3.5 million Coloradans are fully immunized against COVID-19. The U.S. reports over 46.4 million cases of COVID-19, along with over 752,000 deaths. Around 79% of people over the age of 12 are vaccinated against COVID-19 in the U.S., and overall community transmission, including in Colorado, is ranked as high. Information from today's segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control. That's all for COVID-19 updates. Remember to donate to KCSU's DJ-a-thon fundraiser. You can donate by visiting kcsufm.com donate, and if you donate $90.50 annually, you can join Club 905, an exclusive program offered by KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Coda Bobcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. This is Play Like a Girl, a bi-weekly podcast about Colorado State University's female athletes and sports. This is Carson Lane, your host and current student athlete here at Colorado State, coming at you from KCSU. Each episode, I plan to talk about Colorado State's female athletes, bringing you sports updates to inspire us to stay updated, involved, and passionate about supporting our female athletes. Today on Play Like a Girl, I plan to go over the Lady Rams on the women's volleyball and soccer team with this week's stats, what to look forward to this upcoming weekend, and some fan tips 101 on being the best Ram fan there is. Starting off, I'm going to talk about our Rams on the volleyball team and how they have taken the Mountain West games and are truly running with it. The team is currently 5-1 for the Mountain West Conference and are currently tied for first in the conference against UNLV in New Mexico as of October 13th. The Rams have taken the Mountain West with confidence and swept their competitors since four out of the six current conference games were 3-0 wins, leaving our competitors empty-handed. One player that has truly made her mark on the team is sophomore Kennedy Stanford, CSU's outside hitter. Stanford has continuously stood her ground during the Mountain West games and has found her way at the top with the highest scored cumulative points with an astonishing 175.5 points. Not only is she Colorado State's top scorer, but also leads the team in the most kills at a strong 160. She is all you could want and more in a student athlete as she recently was awarded Mountain West Academic All-Conference Mountain West Scholar Athlete, and Offensive Player of the Week. According to Colorado State University's Athletics, Stanford found her way here at Colorado State because of the high levels of energy and the availability of her major that drew her here. After her visit and the wonderful people and sense of community that we have solidified here at Colorado State, she knew it was the right place for her. Still early on in her volleyball career, I look forward to the plenty more successes that she'll bring to the table for the Rams. To stay updated on the Rams Mountain West Conference, make your way to Moby Arena this Saturday, October 16th, as the Lady Rams take on the Air Force Academy at 1 p.m. 
You can stay updated on the game from here at KCSU 90.5 FM, Mountain West Network, or the Local 3. Now switching gears from the court to the field, it's time to talk about our Rams on the women's soccer team. The Rams are currently four wins, five losses, and two ties for the season, and are three for three for the Mountain West Conference, and currently tied for ranking third with the three-game winning streak on the books. Colorado State is tied up against Utah State and San Jose State University for the third ranking of the Mountain West Conference, but are looking for a change. Instead of focusing on the girls' gameplay so far this season, I wanted to shed some light on what's coming up for the Lady Rams this weekend. As the Rams continue pushing their Mountain West Conference games on, on Saturday, October 17th, the women's soccer team will be celebrating their game against UNLV as Senior Day. There are currently three senior Rams on the women's soccer team that will be recognized here in Fort Collins, Colorado. That includes senior and forward Gracie Armstrong, Kristen Noonan, as well as midfield Samantha Studd. Each one of these seniors have truly left their mark on the team and deserve the recognition this weekend. To stay updated on the Rams Mountain West Conference, make your way to the field on Sunday, October 17th to cheer on the women's soccer team and support our senior trio of Rams. The game will be here in Fort Collins, Colorado and offered on the Mountain West Network and Local 3. If you do plan on getting out and attending these upcoming games, I want to leave you off with some helpful Fan Tips 101. It's all you could really ask for on being a true Ram fan. First, show up. Show up on time and bring plenty of friends. Showing up on time and bringing friends along only brings up the team's energy, excitement, and makes time to hang out with your friends. Also a great way to bond over some games. Two, definitely make plenty of noise. Being loud and proud shows leadership and contributes to the team's better performance. Lastly, learn the CSU fight song. Chanting the fight song symbolizes spirit here at Colorado State University and is one of the best ways to support our fellow Ram athletes. Standing up and singing along shows just how much of a Ramley Colorado State truly is. That is it, Ramley. Thank you for listening and be sure to stay updated with Colorado State University's women's sports. I'm Carson Lane, your host, and this was Play Like a Girl. Until next time. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is Tech News for Tuesday, November 9th. A Kiok, a Yupik Alaska Native tribe in Alaska Native Village in western Alaska, will be receiving widespread high-speed internet for the first time. According to Greg Kim at National Public Radio, a new push for rural access to high-speed internet during the COVID-19 pandemic allowed for more and more people to get connected. One community member, Shauna Williams, previously had the best internet plan available in Akiak and still was unable to attend her online college courses using video conferencing, and instead had to call in with her phone. Shauna Williams said to NPR, quote, The internet is so unreliable, and it's usually too slow, especially in the evenings when I get off work, to even load a PowerPoint, end quote. 
While she currently pays over $300 for the service, the move to high-speed internet will reduce her bill by around 75%, and she'll be able to reliably attend courses using video. For other residents of the village, increased broadband access means more independence, as they can use YouTube and other sites to find tutorials for fixing household appliances or vehicles. Chief Mike Williams said that this change in internet access comes largely as a response to many students missing out on a year or more of learning from the pandemic. Chief Mike Williams also said that increased access to the internet will support the community in case another lockdown is needed. European authorities announced that seven were arrested in connection with global ransomware attacks Monday. According to Eric Tucker at the Associated Press, the suspected hackers are believed to have targeted thousands of victims internationally since February 2020. Two of seven hackers have connections to R-Evil, also known as Sodinukibi, a ransomware gang. The United States, along with 16 other nations, worked together in an investigation referred to as Gold Dust to solve the issue of ransomware attacks. R-Evil recently was linked to an attack that targeted JBSSA, the world's largest meat processor. Gold Dust is one of several ways the U.S. Justice Department is working to address the threat of ransomware and online attacks, alongside other impacted nations. Security program McAfee was acquired for over $14 billion, according to a company announcement Monday. According to Kim Lyons at The Verge, the investment group purchasing McAfee includes Advent International, Pamira Advisors, and more companies. The group is expected to finish acquiring McAfee in early 2022. In October 2020, McAfee returned to the public stock market after selling a portion of the company to the Symphony Technology Group, a private equity firm. That's all for Tech News. I'm Kota Babcock, and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins on 90.5 FM. And make sure to donate to our DJathon fundraiser to make sure that news programming like this can continue for years to come. I'm Kota Babcock, and we'll be right back on the Rocky Mountain Review. Today was cool and mostly cloudy, with a high of 58 and a low of 42, with low to moderate winds. Wednesday, you can expect much heavier winds, reaching up to 19 miles per hour, with a high of 59 and a low of 33, with partly cloudy skies. Thursday, winds will still reach up to 18 miles per hour, with a high of 54 and a low of 29, and about a 20% chance of precipitation. And for Friday, you'll have to tune in this Thursday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Kota Babcock, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, Stephanie Keel, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Eric, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Lindsay Johnson, Eliza Droder, Samuel Bailey, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.